Greg Popovich. Played very well tonight. Great team defense. Did a good job. Kobe Bryant. Happy holidays to you and your family. Welcome in to the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Hood. Our UTH Basketball Podcast brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Check out DraftKings, download the app, and man... There's so much there for you to enjoy. If you're into sports gambling, it's all there for you at DraftKings.com. Now, we will talk to our friend Gilles Gallant. Gilles Gallant is from Odd Shark. We'll get his thoughts about the NBA as far as future betting is concerned. Man, there's a lot of things to look at. Defensive Player of the Year, MVP, win totals. It's all here with Gilles Gallant, our friend from Odd Shark. We'll get his thoughts right here on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Let's go. Our friend Gilles Gallant from Odd Shark is joins us here on Under the Hood Show. Thanks so much for joining me, Gilles. How are you? I'm great, man. It's uh, it's uh, Christmas. Really did come early uh, with NBA <laughs> back tonight, so uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, how about yourself? I'm great, and I know that you've been all over this on Odd Shark. I just want to go through some of the things that you wrote about and take a look at some of the futures because the league is here. Happy League Day! So I'm really happy about that. So let's start from what you were writing about regarding the who can win the championship. So. You know, just on a basic level, I say, boy, the Lakers, it just seems like they just got out of the bubble. The Lakers win the championship over the Miami Heat, and they're right back on the floor. So they are the favorite to win the NBA championship. How does that line up right now? Yeah, I mean, right now they have the most handle being taken on them from pretty much any sports book at this stage, them and the Golden State Warriors. Uh, you know, it's the rich getting richer with getting uh, Dennis Schroeder and, and being able to get Montrez Harrell for dirt cheap. Uh, you know, they were the kind of team that they were good. They, you know, they were very top-heavy from a LeBron and Anthony Davis standpoint, but being able to add these bench pieces and then while also re-signing Kuzma uh, – it's really difficult to justify making a futures bet on any other team at this stage, just because you just see like this Lakers being a juggernaut team. However, we're also looking at the shortest turnaround time for an NBA champion in, in league history. Like yeah. I think it was like 72 days that they got to be champions. And then automatically we're right back into the start of a new season. So I'm a little worried about the early burnout factor for them. Uh, I don't think it'll affect them come playoff time, but from an NBA standing standpoint, I'm not 100% certain that they'll get the one seed in the West. Well, you know, Gilla, obviously I'm going to look for the value here. So if I fade you and I say, okay, so I'm looking for the value and that's not necessarily Milwaukee, but what if that's the Nets or the Heat? What, what, what can I do from my money there? 
Yeah, so I think I would probably, go, if I had to choose between the two, I would probably go with the Heat. I think we just saw what, what they can do as far as neutralizing superstars and being able to play collectively. You know, they're going to be a year better now just because of some of the young guys getting a taste of that kind of playoff basketball playing in the finals. Uh, I would have to choose, if I had to choose between those two, I would take the Heat over the Nets. Uh, the team, though, out of the East that is actually more intriguing for me right now, and I'm really interested to see how they how they develop, is the 76ers. Now, they this is a team that kind of draws me in every year because of the tantalizing inside-outside combo of Embiid and uh, Ben Simmons. So at 17-1, to 1, uh, you know, you immediately look at them and think to yourself, okay, they're going to be great defensively. They have the star power, and uh, they address some of those issues of secondary scoring and three-point shooting in the offseason. Uh, they're very interesting for me to be able to challenge in the East and get to the NBA Finals. And then once we get to the Finals, you know, they're probably getting there on their defensive back. They should be able to match up well. You know, an MB Davis matchup, I think, would be very ideal. I think that would be a great NBA Finals. That's kind of the team that I would look at for a long shot, maybe, to challenge the Lakers this year. All right. If, if not the Lakers, how does it line up as far as public money for the Western Conference teams, the, the second and third teams that you're looking at right now? Yeah, so as of right now, the Clippers aren't getting as much money as I thought. It's actually the Warriors still at uh, eighteen to one that are getting the most money uh, outside of the but Lakers. How? Obviously. But but there's no Clay. How? There's no Clay Thompson. It, it, I, I'm, it, I'm a, you know I'm a James I Wiseman know. fan, but that but it, are you saying that Wiggins will turn it around? The guy that was uh, just uh, that was terrible with Minnesota. There's two things he really loved in Minnesota. He loved gummy worms and video games. <laughs> Well, I think what it is as well is it's this new generation of NBA betters who are coming up, and all they know is the Golden State Warriors dynasty going back since 2015. So a lot of these new betters, Golden State is about as public team as you can get for them, more so than the Lakers. So that's kind of what, the, you know, Steph is still one of the top three most popular players in the league. Um, Draymond, obviously, he might not be able to play uh, tonight against the Nets and might miss a couple of games early. But, you know, Draymond Green is still a, a two-way force there in the league. Um, you know, the addition of Kelly Oubre, you know, James Wiseman, if he could become something. But I think once Clay Thompson went down, you're right, I had that same expression. I was like, why? why? Like, you can't do that. Like, you can't feel... You can't feel great about that bet and expect them to overcome the odds uh, to be able to take down a team like the Lakers or even the Clippers uh, in the Western Conference. So you didn't mention Denver. I guess there's a reason, right? Well, so here's my thing is that right now with Denver, I love Denver. But I'm almost a little resistant. Like, I'm almost kind of tempted to bet on them right now. I've heard rumblings that they might be in the leaders in the clubhouse to maybe nab James Harden. Don't don't quote me on that. I just, I've just i read some rumors here or there. I don't even know if that's actually true. But but I guess the, the point is, is right now they're 20-1 to 1 to win uh, the, the NBA championship. And I guess what I think is, is that it might almost be a smart play to maybe grab them at 20-1 to 1 because they're going to drop in odds anyway as the season goes on because they're probably going to be a second, maybe even third seed in the Western Conference. Um, if they were able to trade for James Harden and maybe didn't have to give up, like, say, Jamal Murray or whatever, were able to make that kind of trade, it could be a very, very shrewd futures bet to jump on the Nuggets at this point. All right. Uh, I've got to go there because you mentioned James Harden. You also wrote on Odd Shark about James Harden and where he could go. What? Uh, <laughs> the, tell me about that exotic uh, bet that you get that could be out there for James Harden. Yeah, my, my issue right now with Harden is that I don't really know if anybody wants to give up anything to get him, Like, which is crazy because this is a top five NBA player. Um, he's pretty much going to guarantee you, uh, you just by himself and a, a bunch of role players, probably 40 to 45 wins in an 82-game season. Uh, right now, the leaders in the clubhouse were the 76ers to grab him. Uh, I don't know if that trade is actually going to happen. I think 
there's a little bit too much bad blood between Daryl Morey and and, for, and ownership of uh, the Rockets as well. Plus, just the fact that the Rockets want like they want Ben Simmons, like they, they basically want the Liberty Bell on top of everything else, you know, with the trade to be able to get him. And I just don't see that happening. So. One of the teams that actually did interest me, and it's interesting that they signed up these contracts here, the Toronto Raptors have some pretty close cap space now to be able to match in trades mm-hmm. for the Rockets, and they are 4-1 to one right now to grab him. And, you know, they you just saw that they just signed and extended OG Ananobi. Um, Pascal Siakam is there as well, but, like, Kyle Lowry, his contract matches up. Uh, there's a lot of pieces that they have there, even like a Norm Powell, that could be put in a hypothetical trade. Now, I don't know if... Houston's going to want to make that deal because I think they're going to want a higher end superstar style of player to make that kind of deal happen, or at least like a, like a one B on a team or something of that nature. And Toronto really doesn't really have that to offer as far as, uh, but it is a little bit more of a higher end package than say what Brooklyn would offer, which is a collection of pieces as well. So uh, that would be kind of my, like, again, this is all an estimated guess at this stage because really we don't know what's going on on the back end here with um, ownership and with Harden, but I will say that the writing is on the wall. He is going to be dealt sooner rather than later because, you know, you're seeing that he's having uh, issues uh, with uh, teammates, uh, you know, not participating well in practice or even not even showing up to practice. There's just a lot of, a lot of smoke there, so I think I think something's going to burn, and I think he's going to get traded sooner rather than later. Okay, so I'm sliding you $100 right now into your account so be, because <laughs> you and I need to investigate this, right? You and I are smarter than the public. So let's, I'd like to think so. so. All right, so let's do this. Okay, so now we got to look at all the strip club places, right? So Toronto would be on one of the tops on my list for, for gentlemen's clubs. Atlanta would also be there. He loves his chicken wings, and he loves his stripper poles, right? So yeah, so so Atlanta, Toronto, Miami is still in the mix. Even though Miami, they said no, Jill, I still think they still. If there's a good offer, I still think that they would also be one of my favorites. So I agree. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sliding think- you 100 right now for those three teams. <laughs> okay, and I think the thing is with Miami, it's it's the fact that I don't know who's willing to not give up to what, but. I think it's are the Rockets willing to accept Tyler Harrow as the centerpiece of a trade? And I don't know if the Heat are willing to give up on Tyler Harrow as much as I don't know if Houston is willing to accept that as the centerpiece of a potential trade. So I think that's really what the big hang-up is with Miami. Now, uh, as we're getting closer, you're starting to see that Harden's teams are expanding to – you know, pretty much all the rest of the, the other 30 teams in the league, essentially, right. uh, you know, at this point to, uh, where he's just so fed up, he wants to get out of Houston. So I think with this stage, I almost kind of like I will bet it. But at the same time, I don't really feel great. And as far as estimated guess, other than, you know, just obviously looking at gentlemen's clubs. And I think that is uh, surprisingly <laughs> uh, from a handicapping standpoint, Jonathan, I think that is probably one of the biggest edges you could find in this type of piece. You can use this line if you care to. Uh, you can use it. Follow the glitter and the baby oil. <laughs> I'm a dollar bill. So yeah. <laughs> just, just follow it because that's where James Harden will be. I mean, I'm just saying, like, it's not even about championships. It's just about the opportunity to throw dollar bills, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> as far as win totals are concerned, Jill, so what are you seeing? Let me start with the West as far as win totals. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the first team that I immediately saw that I was like, nope, taking the under immediately, I can't believe that it's actually this high, is actually the Minnesota Timberwolves at 29 and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I saw that line, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, I know Anthony Edwards is good. Like, I think he'll actually be able to assist them a little bit on the perimeter, but he's not like this defensive stopper that is going to shut down some of these big wing players in the Western Conference. And 
the, the Timberwolves last year were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. They can't stop anybody, and they have a bunch of players on their teams. Like, look, I like Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's been through a lot this offseason, but I think one of my issues with him is that it's a lot of empty calories with his stats. A lot of his stats really show up at the end of the season. You'll see when he starts the season – he just kind of gets off to these slow starts, isn't making impact plays to be able to win games. And then once we get past to a point where the Timberwolves are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, he all of a sudden becomes uh, Russell Westbrook combined with LeBron James with a touch of Bill Walton all of a sudden. Out yeah. of nowhere, where he's, just, he just, he's just doing everything on the court. You're just like, whoa, Like where is this in the first 20 games of the season? So then you have him, who's not exactly a defensive stopper himself, and then D'Angelo Russell, who I think offensively is very gifted just – Unfortunately, he's just turnstile defensively as well. So you're looking all through that roster, other than Ricky Rubio, who, which I did think was a good signing. Uh, they don't really have a lot of talent defensively. I think they're going to struggle that way. I think the Western Conference, every team improved around them. I think that I'm, gonna, I'm looking hard at the under 29 and a half at uh, plus 110. All right. Anything in the East that is uh, interesting to you? Well, the the East, uh, for me, I immediately – see, I'm going to take a lot of flack from this being from Canada, but I'm going under on the Toronto Raptors at uh, 42 and a half. Uh, huh. I, was, I, I know, I know. And hear me out when I say this. I really think that the absence of Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol is going to be way more impactful than people just let on from a just a bare-bones stat. So like, oh, I could put this player in so he'll replace the stats that this guy was producing. Those two were defensive dynamos, like for them, like, and and that's one of the things about that team is the defensive identity to be able to switch on anybody, to be able to uh, clog the lane, while also being able to jump out on the perimeter if they had to. Uh, that to me is such a huge loss for them. I don't like. I know that people will be like, "Well, Aaron Baines is basically Marcus Gasol with a three point shot." No, mm-hmm. he is not. He is not even close to the defensive presence that Marcus Gasol is. I'm taking the under forty two and a half in that at plus one thirty. Uh, I, we, of course, our listeners in Chicago want to know your thoughts about the Chicago Bulls. I said my analysis is is that this will be the most difficult job that Billy Donovan has had in the NBA, and I, and I just think it's going to be baby steps with this team. What's the number that you see, and what do you do with that number? Right, and I, and I will add this caveat that that is such a huge upgrade at head coach compared mm-hmm. to what you were working with. So sure. Billy Donovan, I think, just alone is worth an extra eight to 10 wins. Uh, so for me right now, the total is set at 29 and a half. And I say that because I also wanted to mention that their odds to make the playoffs are plus 235. And in a 72 game season, the way the Eastern conference is built and the way that the teams are set up, a team is going to have to win at least 30 games to be able to make the playoffs. But not all the teams who win 30 games are going to make the playoffs. So I think if I had to choose between those two, I would go with an over 29 and a half for the Bulls at minus 105. And I would probably fade. I wouldn't touch the odds to make the playoffs prop just because I think when you look at the Eastern Conference and the standings outside of, say, like the Raptors or um, or the Orlando Magic, it's pretty standard fare. It's pretty going to be pretty much uh, status quo going into next season. And I think Washington is going to jump up now as a result of getting Westbrook and take the Magic spot. And that's pretty much your it, right? So you yeah. can't really take the Bulls in that position. That's why their uh, uh, odds to not make the playoffs are minus 330. So bet $330 to win 100. Um, so yeah, like I think it's going to get close with the Bulls. I think they have a lot of young talent. I think the one thing that concerns me about the Bulls immediately is I'm a little worried about the fact that 
the team didn't tender an offer to Laurie Markkinen. I like I really had high expectations with him, and I thought that he was going to take like another leap, him and Wendell Carter, and kind of really take over in the front court there. But there's something missing, I guess, from management where maybe they're not seeing uh, seeing the talent, or maybe they're identifying something I'm not seeing and thinking that he might not be a good long term fit. And if that's the case. Uh, that's an issue because again, that guy was drafted in the top 10. I thought he was going to kind of be like the next kind of elite scorer for, for the bulls. And, uh, you know, I, I love the backcourt. I love Kobe White. Obviously, I'm a big UNC fan, so I think Kobe White is awesome. Mm-hmm. I think Zach Levine is a pretty good offensive player. We can debate how how good defensively he is. I don't really think the debate will go long. Um, but uh, that's what the issue right now is that I just think that uh, I don't know. Based on preseason, looking at Patrick Williams, their, their draft pick this year, like I thought he was good. Like He was kind of good impact. Like He's a strong defensive player, but he didn't stand out or, or really blow my skirt up or anything that he was doing uh, to justify being picked that high. So I really don't know uh, if they're going to progress uh, to be able to make that next leap to be able to jump in the top eight teams in the East. One other team I want to ask you about as, as far as totals, and that's the Phoenix Suns. Um, they're among a couple of teams that didn't upgrade. Charlotte's another team that upgrade I thought were Gordon Hayward. Are you bearish or bullish when it comes to the Suns? Because, again, that's an undefeated team in the bubble. Looks mm-hmm. like they're getting better. Yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm hitching the bandwagon to the Suns. I've actually I've I, I was on uh, Ochark's program this, today, uh, guys and bets, and we were talking about this. And uh, my colleague Joe Osborne is very much uh, bearish. It just had, wants no part of the Suns. He thinks that Chris Paul isn't an impact player, and that uh, that uh, it's an overrated trade, and that uh, their team in general is overrated. And see, this is what I countered with. I think the Suns are going to make the playoffs in the Western Conference. I would take the over on their win total as well which is set at 39 and a half because I think Chris Paul is actually the exact type of player that a roster like that needed to be able to make the next step. You looked at what you saw in the bubble and they are, you know that they already have the inside outside presence of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Now you need that steadying presence to be able to get the ball up the court, make some key shots, get the ball to players in key positions while also being a pest defensively. And Chris Paul fits that bill to a T one of the other things that I really noticed about Chris Paul, and I actually I went back to look at every year he has been in the league. I believe it's 15 seasons. Chris Paul has made the playoffs in every year of his career except the first two seasons with the New Orleans uh, – no, Hornets. Sorry, right. what's called the New Orleans Pelicans. Right. Uh, New Orleans Hornets at that time. And he has basically just been – and this is all in the Western Conference. Like he is still – a elite point guard. You saw how much of an impact he had on a roster like OKC. Uh, the Suns are right there just with all the talent around them to be able to make that next push. They even have some point guard depth this year, uh, signing uh, some players. So that way, in case Chris Paul does go down two to injury for maybe 10 to 20 games, they can uh, stay, uh, you know, kind of stay the course. So yeah, I'm all in on the Suns. I'm taking the over on their win total. And I think they make the playoffs as well as the sixth seed. Jill, uh, lastly, and I appreciate your time, I want to get your thoughts about the Defensive Player of the Year. You wrote about that on Odd Shark as well. So if Rudy Gobert is the favorite, um, how do you look at the Defensive Player of the Year? See, so I feel like... I feel like Rudy Gobert is probably going to win the award. But you can't bet on a guy like that's at plus 250. Uh, He's kind of uh, in a position where... He's going to, I guess I'm just not high on Utah this year as well. So I'm a little worried about his presence and being able to, uh, to win defensive player of the year. So here's the deal. I took Ben Simmons 
at 28 to 1 when this prop opened, probably a few weeks before I published the article. And since the article, he has dropped to 12 to 1. I think Mm. Ben Simmons is the player to pick for NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Now, the reason being is that he's one of the best two-way perimeter players. So he's already a good rebounder, which again is a criteria for being able to win this award, while also being able to block shots. And he led the league in steals last year. Uh, he won. He was on the All-NBA defensive team last season. He's going to be playing the main defensive shutdown role on a team that doesn't really have as much swingmen uh, as you would think in the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I think he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year over his teammate Joel Embiid because I, just, I do still think Embiid will miss a game or two throughout the season, whereas I think Ben Simmons outside of his rookie year and then uh, what happened in the bubble, he's been actually pretty good. Um, uh, injury wise like not being injury prone so that's kind of where I would look right now with Ben Simmons the thing I just find with Gobert as well and this might be something as well from a voter standpoint is I find and this goes to MVP as well I find that NBA writers kind of get uh, voter fatigue or even they like to vote for the narrative in a sense more so than than what the stats are telling you right on on paper and you know you saw Rudy Gobert won three of the last four years like He's going to probably still win at plus 260 this year, but I just think there's no value on that, especially like what if he gets hurt, you know, and then immediately that bet is in the tank. So I think, yeah, Ben Simmons is the pick. I think Rudy Gobert uh, will be in the mix in the top three, but at the same time, we need some new blood, and I think the voters will think so too. Okay, so this, and, la- and for real, this is my last thing, and that's my rant, Jill. That's my, my rant is, is that why is there writer fatigue when it comes to the MVP? If Giannis or LeBron are the best players in the NBA, you don't write them off and say, well, we voted for them before. There's no way that Giannis could be a three-time MVP. Okay, great. But then when we re- we get writers and we get everyone else saying, well, you know who really should be MVP is Luka. Okay, Luka could be the MVP, but I don't think that the win total or the success of the Mavericks will equal what Luka would get as far as MVP. I think it's two different conversations. Mm-hmm. One thing is, is right. like, all right, so Dallas is going to be a good team for sure. Okay, mm-hmm. but that doesn't necessarily, that means that Luka should be MVP. I, I I have a major problem with this. This is why I put money on Anthony Davis. Just be, And I know that maybe it's not a great value, but it's more than just the public money just rushing into what Stephen A. Smith and everybody else says. It's got to be Luka. Well, Why? Well, why why can't it be LeBron or Giannis? I just I just think that's nonsense. I really do. If, if it's the best players, the best player. Period. Well, Jonathan, I'll tell you this right now: if Anthony Davis wins, it's not bad value. If you and plus nine hundred, if, yeah. if he wins, it's not bad value at all. Um, I think part of the again, one of the things is like I mean, you being in Chicago, you you saw Michael Jordan probably should have won every MVP every season in the nineteen nineties, but he didn't. Carl Malone won a few years. Like you know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things that where. We all know who the best player is in the league, but at the same time, I don't really get why writers sometimes like to just kind of be – maybe it's just because they are writers and they like to tell stories. And, and the fact that uh, a player come, who's 20 years old from Slovenia, uh, play, white playing in a, in a dom- black dominant sport, you know, uh, being the best playmaker in, yeah. in the NBA, like, you know, um, taking this kind of – Rags to riches style of team without Kristaps Porzingis uh, to to uh, higher uh, big heights like kind of thing. I, I think it's an easy. Sto- it's almost a little lazy, but it's an easy story to tell. Now that being said, if I was telling the story, I'd be looking at Kevin Durant at plus nine hundred instead mm-hmm. uh, because that's the story. If he comes back at close to Kevin Durant levels, let's say ninety percent, 
and is still hitting jump sh- fade jump shots over people, still hitting threes, still able to score in transition, still playing solid defensively, and isn't a shell of himself. That's the story because not only is it a story of a of a of a comeback story, it's a story of like modern medicine miracle because you see these guys when they rupture their Achilles, they never come back to be close to what they are. And I mean, you they they put in a good effort, you know, like Wes Matthews is probably one of the best examples I think of of a player who ruptured his Achilles kind of in his prime, was getting set for a contract, and while he never really reached the heights or maybe uh, progressed any more than where he was at that stage. Uh, he was still a serviceable player, and he's still. And I mean, he's on the Lakers this year, you know, as as a uh, as a bench player this year as well. So again, that's kind of the thing that right now I think that Kevin Durant is leading the league in scoring. The Brooklyn Nets are the top team in the Eastern Conference, and uh, you know they're they're chugging along, and they're basically a one seed or have close to the best record in the NBA. I, I find it's almost a better story than what Luka Doncic is achieving. I think just the reason why I ended up taking Luka Doncic at plus three hundred for me when I bet him is not only the story, but just the natural progression of him as a basketball player. Right. So at, at 18 years old, he's winning Eurobasket MVP. He's winning the Eurobasket championship. At 19, he comes into the NBA. You know, there's already people probably doubting of whether or not he's actually the truth. He comes in and wins rookie of the year. And then we're coming in the next year, starting off like in the first like 20 to 30 games of the season last year, there was real push that Luka was going to win MVP. Like just the way the the Mavericks were playing, um, you know, the fact that he's in the second year of his career, um, you know, Chris Sapp's missing some games. And then, of course, he started to fade a little bit as the season went on. I think he also got hurt a little bit, missed a few games, but still made all NBA first team as a 20 year old. So for me, like, I'm just like, okay, what's the next step? What's the next plateau that he can reach? And naturally for me, MVP is the easiest thing to gravitate to. And then also the narrative that comes with uh, Luca's ascension into superstar status. Uh, so for me, again, I, I did make, I don't usually make very chalky picks when I do these type of props. But for me, if he's, if he plays 70 of 72 games and he's averaging pretty much exactly the same stats that he is, but the uh, Mavericks are, say, like top three in the Western Conference, it's pretty hard not to give it to him. Oh, I'm going to lose money based on narrative. I mean, I, I mean, really, because, because we, if he, say he does become MVP, Jill, so where's Dallas amongst the rest of the West? I think that they're a good team, but you would, you want your MVP normally to be able to be on a team where you say, boy, that's a championship caliber ball club. I don't think Dallas is that. I just, I don't know. Well, I think it really depends on the recovery of Chris Sapps because torn meniscus, I thought, I thought the knee injury in the, in the bubble was a lot worse. So I thought that he wasn't going to be coming back until playoffs at best. Uh, But he's actually looking like he's going to be back by like February. So I think that's a good stage where, you know, say Luca is kind of, carrying the water the entire time and somehow Mavericks are still the top four team uh, in the West. And then Chris Apps comes back, he kind of settles in into that role and then maybe the Mavericks go on a run and then maybe somehow, let's just say hypothetically, they jump into the second seed, like the Clippers struggle a little bit or maybe the Nuggets do. You know, that, that's kind of the scenario that I'm predicting. And I don't think that that scenario is very far-fetched when I pitch that, just based on the fact that you saw what the Mavericks were able to do with that team last year. They're getting players like Dwight Powell back. Josh Richardson is a lot better than what Seth Curry was offering, even though Seth Curry was a great three-point shooter. Shooting isn't the issue with the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. They need defensive help on the perimeter. And Josh Richardson, in my opinion, will provide that uh, to be able to guard maybe the other backcourt players so that way Luka doesn't have to. Uh, and I just think that uh, where Luka is, it just 
it's a little bit of a Luca love fest. I think everybody's going to want to get on board. And I think by the time we get to all-star break closer to March, if he's still playing at the elite level where he's averaging a triple-double or close to it, and they're a top three, top four team in the Western Conference, he's going to get most of the love because the Lakers and, and uh, the one of the issues with the Lakers, and at least I, I'm just trying to put my my mind in the perspective of a voter. I think Anthony Davis is the best forward, like front court player in the league. I don't really consider LeBron as much of a front court player like I used to, mm-hmm. but just because he's more of a point forward. But Anthony Davis is the best front court player in the league. However, he could have a 30 and 12 season with two blocks and two steals, and but he's still playing on LeBron's team. That's the issue. It's just where I where I'm a little leery of ever taking it. Now, LeBron could maybe push the narrative himself, maybe start to do some interviews and start to say, Hey, you know who the real MVP is, and then like kind of point to Anthony. Um, and that <laughs> could happen. But I just I'm not really one hundred percent certain on that. Giannis, same thing, like it's difficult to envision him. Like he would have to almost like double or triple his stats. Like one of the best examples of MVP that I always bring up to people is Steve Nash. Yes. So when he when he won in two thousand four, or, or the first time he won MVP, they surprised everybody. They weren't picked to make the playoffs. They were last in the Western Conference, or at least projected to, and end up winning like fifty five games. And that's with you know the full full influx of roster before they traded Joe Johnson in the off season. Now they start in preseason, and Mari Stoudemire goes down with a knee injury. And then you look at basically the Suns and you think, okay, I'm going to write them off because, again, I'm talking about the narrative here. So I'm going to write them off. I don't think they're going to make the West now. Amari Stoudemire was uh, all-NBA second team that season uh, when Nash got there. He goes down. They still end up winning 50 or plus games. Uh, Nash increases his stats across the board. And they're a top two team in the Western Conference. So from a voting standpoint, you'd almost be a hypocrite to say Steve Nash was the MVP the season before. But then he ends up outdoing himself again and then trying to say that somebody else was playing better than he is. So it's almost like one of those things where voters almost corner themselves with these narratives. And then when it comes time, they're going to get embarrassed on social media if they don't back their original stance that they said at the beginning of the season. Jill, if I go to Odd Shark, what would I find? Oh, you would find everything odds related for every single sport, all the big major sports. One of the things that I'm going to be doing here coming up for Christmas uh, is I'm going to be previewing all of our NBA Christmas Day games with uh, interesting betting notes and trends and and uh, just overall stats to be able to use to be able to help you handicap the games if you want to do some picks on Christmas Day. And of course, I'm going to be making some NBA Christmas Day picks uh, for every game. I'll be making one pick, and uh, not to toot my own horn, but uh, I did go five and zero last year on my NBA <laughs> Christmas Day picks. So I'm thinking that uh, I think another sweep is in order, but uh, I'll settle for four and one. As always, my friend, happy holidays, and I appreciate you coming on the show here in Chicago. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. You have a have a holiday yourself. You know, the NFL playoffs right around the corner. Playoffs? Oh, yes. It's right around the corner, so check in with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app to celebrate the most exciting time of the football season, DraftKings. At Casino Queen Sportsbook is giving you the chance to double your money. All it takes is for one touchdown to be scored during Saturday's games during the football playoffs. That's right. Once you opt in and place your bet All you got to do is sit back and wait for a touchdown. Download the top-rated DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook app and use the promo code WMVP. That's code WMVP for new players to get a shot at doubling their money. For a limited time, only with DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Illinois only. 
Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has got a gambling problem, crisis counseling or referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. Happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks for supporting the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. We've got more. Make sure you keep listening. Subscribe to Spotify or check out the Cap and J Hood Morning Show podcast on the ESPN Chicago app. It's right there in the feed. If you love basketball, college, pro, gambling, I got it all covered for you. Me, Jonathan Hood, with the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. Have a great rest of your 2020. Thank you, 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 thank you